Welcome to another edition of the Big Nick Energy Podcast. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and comment everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube, where we are almost at a thousand subs, which most of that's happened in the past six months. It's amazing what effort we'll do. Uh, I have a great special guest today. I'm continuing with my Atlantic Division rivals, although I would say the Toronto Raptors are probably the least rivalry-ish of the Knicks Atlantic Division opponents. Amon Adden from Yahoo Sports Canada, and make sure to check out her new Substack, Pros and Claws, covering the Toronto Rappers. Amon, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So like I was saying prior to recording, I sent you a rundown, but the rundown does not include the most fun things that 22-year-old X twitter whatever you want to call it, is talking about right now for both of our teams. What is more likely to happen? And Granted, neither one of these is going to most likely happen. But if you were to pick, what's more likely? Damian Lillard is a Raptor by the trade deadline this year, or Giannis Antetokounmpo is a Nick by August next year. And whichever one you pick, how do you get there? Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. I I think, and this might be the homer, the the bias in, in me right now, where I would pick Dame and I'd start off by saying, I think it's for one, not a given that Giannis Atetokounmpo is not a Milwaukee buck next season. Like, I just don't think it's a given that he gets moved. And I think it's a given that Dame gets moved. So automatically we're starting with Dame is more likely to be traded. Um, And I think for the Raptors versus the Knicks, the Knicks are in a better spot than the Raptors. They're a young team. They're still growing. Um, and there's just a lot of reasons for, obviously you trade for a superstar. If you have Giannis, if you have the ability to get Giannis, yeah. you give up anything that you can to get Giannis, you move mountains for him. But I think the Raptors are in a situation where they're, it's it's more pressing for them to make a trade than it is for the Knicks right now. So for those two reasons, one, I think it's more pressing for the Raptors to make a trade, especially if they're looking to make a trade by the deadline. That means this season has not gone very well for them. And spoiler alert, I don't project it to go very well for the Raptors as it stands right now. Um, so I think it's more pressing that they make a deal because Pascal Siakam will be an expiring if he doesn't sign an extension. No reason for him to right now. Same thing with OG Ananobi. If he doesn't sign an extension, no reason for him to right now. So they might be looking at, you know, to make a Hail Mary move by the deadline because they've got two of their best players that are going to be unrestricted free agents. And we just saw what happened last season when they locked in to the offseason with three unrestricted free agents. So all that to say, I think it's more likely that the Raptors make a deal for Dave. For those of us that haven't been paying attention to the Dame Lillard thing since he announced that he wanted a trade and then his agent was like, it's either Miami or bust. There has been a lot of talk and a lot of come up recently for other teams to get involved. One of them being the Raptors. I know I heard the Celtics before, obviously the Lakers Clippers, they always try to throw their head in something. Um, But for the Raptors, when did the smoke start actually forming in the past two months and why is this happening now? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to be honest for me. um, I, I was all in on this as soon as Dame said whatever he said. Like, as soon as July 1st rolled around, Raptors lose their only point guard. <laughs> the only point guard on the entire roster. They we lose. are going to get in Fred Van Lee, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they they lose that, and they still, you know, re-sign Jakob Hurdle. Of course, they don't have their pick next year. They want to win, and it's like, all right, well, then you need a point guard. And here is one of the best ones in the league, who I, I don't know if people really paid attention to Portland last year, but Dame just had his best season yet. we're not talking about a guy who's slowing down we're talking about a guy who's coming off of his best season yet and uh signed on for four years um to me it was just like as soon as that was announced 
I'm like, yeah, you go, you go all in and you make the the moves to get um to get Damian Lillard. And it seemed very slow. I was very confused at why the national media hadn't picked up on the Raptors as part of the talks. Like I was just like, why are they not being mentioned at all? I think and part of it's it, what you just said, it's national media, unfortunately. I mean, not unfortunately, but Toronto's part of Canada. And the ESPN fair, fair just enough. doesn't get Canada ratings, TSN does. That is true. That is true. I think the the one where I was listening to the low post who, you know, if there's going to be an ESPN person who talks about the Toronto Raptors, it's going to be the person who spends his Christmas in Toronto every year. Uh, and that's Zach Lowe. Zach. <laughs> um, yeah, love Zach Lowe. And so I, I was just like, he he mentioned, he's like, yeah, I don't see it for the Raptors. And that was like the one tidbit. And I was like, what? And I that's where the article really came out of because I, I, I see it for the Raptors. And, and here's why I see it for the Raptors. Again, I keep mentioning their best player is Pascal Siakam. He is going to be an unrestricted free agent. They're next, like maybe the top, let's say the third, their second, I don't care how you sort of split hairs here, is OG Ananobi. Whatever it is, he matters and he's so integral to this team. He's also going to be an unrestricted free agent. And I get that the the deal breaker, the, the, the move to get this done, if the Raptors want to blow any team making a trade out of the water and get this deal done, it's you trade Scotty Barnes. I've heard that from yeah. multiple people. It's just you trade Scotty Barnes and that's going to be the deal that gets it done. And the Raptors, of course, are going to be reticent to do that because he is their future. He is sort of the linchpin. These the guys same are thing us with our, It's the same thing with us as RJ Barrett. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, especially because Pascal and OG are expiring. But here's where I come. It's your best player is 29 years old. And you don't know what Scotty Barnes is going to become. Do you risk run the risk of losing some more of your guys in unrestricted free agency for nothing? Because if they don't trade them right now, and even if they do trade them, they're going to get cents on the dollar because Pascal has said he's not going to sign anywhere who you know anywhere that trades for him. So do you run the risk of losing Pascal and OG because you're not trying to make a win now move? And then what happens if the team that you do have doesn't pan out like can you know that you'll build a team that has this many guys for as bad as the Raptors are they've got a lot of really good players yeah. they just need a point guard <laughs> like they don't have a player to make it make sense and I think the Knicks understand that because look at how Jalen Brunson's arrival changed that team right having a point guard matters and so so much. so much and so it's like the Raptors have a lot of really really good and talented pieces do they run the risk of losing all of them because they're banking on this future that maybe doesn't even if Scotty Barnes turns out to be as good as Pascal Siakam or let's say as good as Damian Lillard, do you know that you'll have the pieces around him that you have right now that you can bring in with Dame? So I just think that like, there's a lot more to gamble here for the Toronto Raptors. And that's the reason why I'm like, this isn't about trading Scotty Barnes and oh no, what about your future? This is about banking on the fact that you have an all NBA talent in Pascal right now. And you have a burgeoning star in OG Ananobi right now. And can you build around that team? So to me, it's just, there, there was a lot more risk. Uh, there's a lot less risk, I think, involved in it. Or no, let me not phrase it that way. There's risk involved in it for trading Scotty Barnes, but there's also risk involved in it for not capitalizing on the window that you have now with Pascal Siakam. And I think a lot of people were underscoring the risk that the Raptors run by not trying to feel the competitive team around Siakam, who's an all-NBA player. Also, I think part of your issue, as you are aware and anyone that watches the Raptors aware, are aware in any given time, having a bunch of guys that are 6'8", six, 6'9", six, without having a real point guard, and then trying to, I, I don't know, from afar, it looks like a, a pigeonhole, honestly. You guys are trying to pigeonhole Scotty Barnes into becoming your point guard for some reason after you lost Kyle Lowry for cents on the dollar. You lost Fred Van Vliet for literally nothing. Um, I have two questions for you based on the, those things happening. One, 
what do you expect out of Scotty Barnes, the point guard? And is he actually going to go back to being a small forward in two to three years? And this is a failed experiment. And then I want him to get into um, your GM, Masai Jerry after that. But just starting with the Scotty Barnes thing. Where yeah. Where is Scotty Barnes as a point guard in 2025, for example? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but only because like Scotty wants to be a point guard, right? Like Scotty's Instagram bio says point guard. He came into the league wanting to be a point guard. And the Raptors have always really liked the idea of big wings who can facilitate. They they love that idea. Giannis is a guy who, you know, we talked about him, but Masai, you know, clips have come out about this. Masai was actively trying to get into the lottery to get Giannis when he was drafted. Masai has ties with Giannis's family that date back to prior to Giannis being, uh, you know, in the NBA because they both have, of course, Nigerian backgrounds. Um, yeah. And so, like, there's there's strong ties there. Masai has said time and time again that Giannis is his guy. Um, and without, without you know. Surprise, uh, your guys' name aren't coming up for all these uh, these rumors. Again, but Giannis oh, are, throwing in are. the Lakers and Knicks, it's the ones that pop the top of the headlines, obviously. Yeah, Giannis, Giannis's name, like, Sergi Baca had Giannis on his cooking show and asked it flat out like this has been the rumors have yeah the rumors have been there for a really long time um with Giannis and Toronto specifically because of his connection to Masai Ujiri and um yeah um if you're if you're a Raptor fan you the the rumors are are very loud um always but um (laughs) so so yeah so they've always loved the idea of a big wing but even with Giannis who needed to have an Eric Bledsoe or Drew Holiday next to him? You need to still have a primary ball handler. The Milwaukee Bucks tried Giannis at point guard. It did not work. They needed to have someone else there. He can still be your secondary playmaker. And I think we're going to see a similar thing with, um, you know, we saw it with Ben Simmons as well. Uh, I think we're going to see a similar thing with with Scotty Barnes. I, I think he's fine as, as a point guard. I think you can put the ball in his hands and get him to initiate offense. We also see it with Pascal Siakam. Big wings who can playmake are great. You can see over the defense. It's a good idea to have your playmakers be tall. If you can do that, why not? Um, you know, if you can have every skill set and just make them all taller, you have the perfect basketball team. So try that with your playmakers as well. Um, the only thing is, I think you need to have another another guard. And I think we saw that as soon as Fred Van Vliet left for nothing and the Raptors did not expect that to happen. Um I don't think anyone thought me. he was going to get 40 mil a year. That no, honestly is unbelievable. No <laughs> one thought that Ime Udoka would land on Houston and change their sights from James Harden to Fred VanVleet for the same money. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone yeah. predicted that. Um, and so, yeah, they didn't expect to lose Fred VanVleet for nothing, but Fred is sort of your, um, ideally, your typical fit around a guy like Giannis or Scotty. And I'm not saying that Giannis is Scotty. I'm not, not putting those expectations on Scotty Barnes, but the idea of a big wing who can play make um the you know he because Fred VanVleet can be a secondary ball handler we saw that with Kyle Lowry he was your two when Kyle was your one so he played off ball really well he's one of the best catch and shoot guys in the league so there's lots of reasons to make sense but you also need pull-up shooting (laughs) from your guard spot and so you also have him as a point guard who can pull up shoot so that was sort of the idea behind this team you lose Fred VanVleet and that kind of changes what this team looks like and I think a lot of Raptor fans would say Scotty and Fred don't fit together and they'll have lots of issues with that but on paper that was sort of the logic behind those two together um but they brought Dennis Schroeder in right away and yep. um the, the reason is they recognize the team desperately needs additional ball handlers and additional guards and I think we're going to see um Pascal handle a lot of those roles as well and uh OG Ananobi wants to take a next step in handling those roles so we'll probably see him I, I we'll see to to what extent but um yeah Scotty as your your guard is going to be a big part of it 
Uh, and it could work if you just have a ton of shooting around him. This is just not a team that's built to maximize either Scotty or Pascal's skill set as it stands right now. Your current only projected star to actually shoot over 35% is going to be your shooting guard, right? It's going to be Gary Trent Jr. if he starts still, and then everyone else is like 34, 33, 30. And Scotty's at 28. OG. So, I mean, yeah, Scotty, Scotty's is oh, Scott, OG's, OG's at 40. My bad. OG's, OG's a good three point shooter. Yeah. Uh, and Gary, yeah, it's coming off of a bad year, but he's also a, a good shooter. He's your only like pull up guy as well. Uh, he dropped in that last season, but yeah. Can I throw in us uh, before you keep going? Can I throw in the Scotty Barnes numbers just so people know that are listening? Yeah, oh, please, please. I was going to say your mic's on mute. Uh, Scotty Barnes. So last year he shot 28% from three. Uh, he, he shot below 37% from the 16 foot to three point line and shot below 30% from 10 to 16 feet. He had a 12% turnover percentage, which people think Scotty is going to be a great and is a great ball handler. He is better than OG currently, but just to throw it out there, he had 12.0. OG's turnover percentage was 12.1. So the number, the specific number itself isn't too far. And he had a 2.41 assist to turnover ratio, which was 66th in the league for qualified players. But he was third on his own team behind both Fred Van Vliet, who was at 3.5 and 11th overall, now gone. And uh, Pascal was actually 57th, who, he, who also had a better uh, assist to turnover percentage. So he's right. even still, he's not even considered the best playmaker on his team from just raw stats. Right, right. And I think the idea is that Scotty Barnes in year two or Scotty Barnes in year one is not the idea of the Scotty Barnes that you're going to get in year three. And also, I, I want to say, like, even with the OG and the Scotty numbers and the turnovers, the, this team I don't think is be, built. built. We, we just talked about with the lack of shooting to really like maximize spacing. their skill set. Yeah, you you need to have spacing around a guy like a Scotty Barnes or a guy like Pascal Siakam in order to maximize it. It's why what Siakam is doing right now is so incredibly special. And I don't think people are recognizing how good it is because he's doing it in negative spacing. He's doing yeah. it in, in the least, I don't know if there's another team that's as bad shooting as the Raptors can get. There's streaks where it's just like, oh my goodness, this is, you can put up five guys and they often do who are well below average shooters. And their starting lineup next season might only have one three-point shooter, one above yeah. league average three-point shooter. It's a pretty bad team in terms of spacing. And so, yeah, you're going to get a lot of turnovers. Uh, this team also gets out and runs in transition a lot. And Scotty might be a little sloppy with the ball sometimes, but I think you expect that to sort of take the next step. I'm not too, too worried about that, just because I think the build of the team needs to change in order to maximize what you have there. But the shooting, of course, um, is, is an issue. To throw in a couple of Knicks, just for the sake of the Knicks podcast yeah. part, uh, Brunson was 21st with a 2.9 ratio. Deuce McBride was 22nd, who I'm actually surprised he even qualified on this list. Also a 2.9 ratio, but he had less than 100 assists in the year, so whatever with that. Quickly was 37th with a 2.6, and Josh Hart was 78th with a 2.3. So the Knicks currently still have four players on their team that had really good assist turnover numbers. Now the Raptors only have two. Uh, I didn't look if Schroeder was actually on the list. He probably was if I remember to look but right speaking of Dennis Schroeder and the fact that you have him and Gary Trent Jr which one of them is more likely to start with this lineup currently going into your season yeah that's the age-old question right now um Dennis Schroeder is a raptor because of Darko Ryakovich right so uh and he's talked about this and it seems that you know he believes that he's going to start um this is like the I mean after his FIBA it's kind of hard to even tell him no right FIBA MVP I mean but also that FIBA and that team, that Germany team, had a lot more shooters around him so than much this spacing. Raptors team is going to have. Daniel Tice so, of the five helps a lot. <laughs> it, it does, certainly. And so, like, we're we're talking about a different team than, like, um, you know, 
than what you have to maximize Dennis Schroeder's skill set as well. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what the Raptors do because I, I think they're they might just need Gary shooting, but they also depends on I think every question that you ask me can just be boiled down to does what leap does Scotty take? Because yeah. I think if you can trust the ball in Scotty's hands, then you're fine with Dennis Schroeder coming in as your sixth guard. He kind of changes the pace a little bit, gets you the paint touches that you're going to need, um, gets, you know, just changes the sort of look of this Raptors team, which you want your second unit to be able to do. Um, but if you need to have a ball handler in your starting lineup, if Scotty has not taken that leap there, then I think you you start Dennis Schroeder and Gary Trent Jr. comes off the bench for the spacing there. So it really depends on what this what what he looks like. I don't think you can answer any Raptor question without that. I would say for at least then for the first 15 games, which usually 15, 20 games is what coaches give us like a tryout. What do you, who do you expect to be the starter and closer out of the Gary Trenton, Dennis Schroeder combo? This is really funny. Cause I, I had it as, as Gary. And then I was like, I don't, I think you're going to need in the first 15 games. I think you're going to need a ball handler. And I was like, it's gotta be Schroeder. And then yesterday I was doing the uh, pod and I was like, ah, nope, nope, you need shooting. It's going to be Gary. So I've gone back and forth on this yeah. a ton. Um, I think that I think that it's probably going to be Dennis, though. I think I think that's where I settle on it right now. But tomorrow I might tell you something different. But I think where I settle on it right now, I think you need Dennis. And I think because this team does not work if Pascal doesn't have like Pascal shooting splits and you can go through the entire team. He was a 37% catch and shoot guy at the beginning of the season, pre pre all star, which is not the beginning. That's like two thirds of the season. Right. 37% three catch and shoot three pointer, uh, catch and shoot. Th- oh, I can't speak English. And then post all star, <laughs> yeah, post all star, it went down to 28%. Right. So, oh, catch and so shoot- 37% isn't even that great for someone like Pascal. No. You'd expect it to be higher already. You would expect it to be higher, um, but then it goes down to 28%. And part of that, a large part of all of these splits for all of these guys across the board is the fact that they all played 41 minutes or <laughs> something crazy. Pascal's led the league in minutes. I think it was 37 to 38 minutes last season. He's yeah. led the league in minutes the last two years. Even if you and didn't say that, I would have guessed it was because Yaka Pertl then being at the five prevents spacing. Also, Pascal was playing the five for so long for you guys. And Pascal being a plus five defender was honestly unbelievable for a short time, but. Right. I think the minutes um, and the size honestly wore on him over the year. And and that's exactly it. Like having to sort of play your nominal five takes a toll on your body. It makes sense that the Raptors defensively had to bring in Yaka Pertle. The offense wasn't, I mean, the offense was fine in that you had a set play that you can run that they don't have anymore, which was a pick and roll between Fred Van Vliet and Yaka Pertle, which now that you don't have yeah. a pick and roll ball handler, Dennis Schroeder is that, but you, you need pull-up shooting. <laughs> yeah. You can't just have- They can sag have, off him. Exactly. Um, so um, you lose that. But the defense, when you had Yaka Pertle come in because you're not overtaxing OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, went up to top six, I think it was, with Yaka Pertle in the starting lineup. So it the defense was much better, but the offense is going to have some issues. And I think this season you can predict that the Raptors are going to be a good defensive team, but be a bad offensive team. That's fair. That is yeah. fair. Which, I, honestly, I think the Raptors are the total antithesis of the Knicks. You guys have... I think nine wings I counted when I went through your 12 people I expect to get playing time. And the Knicks I mean, we copied legitimately the Knicks. have one. RJ Barrett's the only wing we have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I want to ask you a question about Pascal Siakam and bring in Julius Randle into this because mm-hmm. obviously the offseason, you bring in lists. They're like, oh my God, outrage, yada, yada, yada. Um, so one of them has been a two-time all-star, two-time all-NBA player in the past three years. The yep. other one only made one. 
Yeah. The one that has one of each was ranked third on a list by Hoops Hype as the third best power forward going into next season. The one that has two, which granted the guy that has two has significantly less playoff experience and success, which is the main catalyst to how he probably dropped so low. Yeah. But in is Pascal Siakam the third best power forward? And is Julius Randle really the 11th best power forward for the 2023-2024 season? I'm going to be honest. I hate lists like this. I think it's such cheap ploy for engagement every time it comes out, but it works. It's September, it, like, girl. I mean, we're talking about true. it. There's nothing to talk it's about. It's true. It's true. No, that's valid. Um, here, Here's what I th- think. When it comes down to it, and as Raptor fans, we have... Like, it's surprising to see Pascal as high as it is because for year in and year out, it's like, DeMar should be ranked higher than this person and that person. And it's all we've been yelling about for years. Um, But I think when it comes down to it, third and 11 sound like a bigger gap, but it's probably like we're cutting, we're like, I don't know. I, who's fourth? Like probably Cat or Zion So or I have the whole, I have the whole list. I'll tell you the whole yeah. thing. Uh, so it goes Giannis first, which honestly, he's the second best player in the league. How dare he be ranked higher than I, Pascal? I know, right? Anthony Davis who also helped win a title more recently and helped his team get to the Western Conference Finals. Outrageous. Uh, Pascal. And then I start having some problems. So we got Zion fourth. I think you have to play some games, first of all. Uh, Cat Cat fifth, who is a better center than power forward just from a spacing and size standpoint. I know he can't play center defensively, but like he can't cover anyone defensively. If Cat's scoring 25, he's giving up 24. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't I don't love the idea of like I, I said it, I was like it's probably gonna be cat. I also just like have questions about that Minnesota team. Okay, I don't love that one. And with Zion, yeah, I guess we're projecting what he'll be in, in this season, but we don't have anything to base that. Zion um, can be as high as second. Honestly, it can be Zion better than AD. Be first. He can, like I don't know what Zion I don't think you pass Giannis this year, but maybe hey, if he but he could be as low as like twenty fifth. Yeah. If he doesn't play at all, sure. Yeah. Uh then we got Triple J, who also is more or less a five, but with Steven Adams coming back, I understand the concept of him being a four, defense yeah. player of the year, I get the whole thing. Paolo Bancaro, which I think two to three years from now, I probably agree with he'll be better than Julius, but I don't think he's there That's yet. That's a surprise, yeah. Yeah, he's seventh. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, which really could kind of go either way. Evan Mobley, would... who we literally just watched the Knicks overall destroy the Cavaliers. That's, I know that's a lot of projection right there because Mobley did shut down Randall. I was going to say, I was going to say, okay. But he also got punked. It was also two on one offensive boards and Mitch Robinson punked him and out at the same time. Like how good of a player are you? That's Uh, true. And then we have the most painful 10th is Chris Stapps Porzingis, which as a Nick fan hurts right, right in the soul. Honestly, talking about another dude that doesn't even play all the games. I know he played the most games he's played since his rookie year last year. yeah. He's also coming in with plantar fasciitis. That is true. Like, that oh is my true. God. And as every year gets older, his 7-3 frame becomes like, oh, well, maybe I'm 7-2 this year. My leg hurts. My back hurts. I can't play all the games. And I just, I don't know. For him to be 11th, like all, these are all phenomenal great players. The power forward position is one of the deepest positions in the NBA right now. Yeah. Just between the ones that bother me the most were Paolo, Mobley, and Kristaps. Honestly. And that's fair. I like, I wouldn't, yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't mind. Like I, I have nothing with Julius being ahead. Actually, you know what? I probably would have ranked. I, I would have to, cause like if the idea is it's a knock on Julius Randall because of his playoff performances. Okay. Well, Lori didn't make it 
and neither did Paolo. Paolo like make it. Yeah, I'm saying Lori didn't make it. Paolo didn't make it. Like, uh, and and Evan Mobley, yeah, sure, defensively he was he was fine, but uh, we we also you're right. <laughs> Mitchell Robinson did punk him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I have I have yeah I would have zero issues with that. I I think that like, again. I think I think I've just expended too much energy hating these lists during my DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry years where now I'm like that's fair oh you have Pascal high okay cool yeah um, <laughs> it's almost a shock when your player is actually that high up yeah yeah and here's the thing I think I think Pascal Siakam is one of the more underrated which is why it's always surprising to see this the players in the league just because again this is a team that is built with and I hate to say redundancy because I don't know that their skill sets are necessarily redundant but um Dan Favail uh, put this properly. I butchered his last name. Um, that it's like Dan was on with me a month ago, by the way, and then I yeah. saw you were on with him two days ago. So Dan, if you're listening, I asked her a week ago. I'm not copying you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I think I think I think truly it's like a redundancy of weaknesses. I think that's accurate. It's it is very similarly skilled uh, sized players, I should say. And so like Pascal's really doing this. Um, and not on a team that is meant to um, maximize his skill set at all. And so it's always surprising that he's been able to do this with such uh, little care or thought put into his build and try to maximize that, in my opinion. And also playing the wrong position half the time, I feel like. There's no yeah, reason Pascal what, should be playing the five. <laughs> that's that's what I mean by, like, this is not a team that was built with him in mind, no. and yet still he's been able to do what he's been able to do. And I, I just think that, like, it it's special. So because I'm in a thread, obviously, I, like Nick fans listen to this, I'm in a thread of a bunch of Nick fans. Can you just explain really quickly before we get off Pascal altogether, why mm-hmm. is Pascal Siakam seen better as Julius Randle overall to the NBA as a whole? Um, Is it as simple as You're going to get me, hate me. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's number one. I think he's just a better, I, I like Julius Randle. Julius Randle's a better three-point shooter. Uh, I, I think defense becomes a, a big one, but I also just think that like, I think like he's a better playmaker. I think that he's yeah, I think he's a better defender. I think he's probably a better ball. I just think he's like kind of a better player. And I also think that like playoffs matter a ton. And like, yes, we've seen Pascal struggle in the bubble, and that's kind of haunted him. That one playoff has haunted him, but we also see seen him win a championship as the second offensive scorer or the right. second leading scorer on a team. Um, that's huge, and I don't think that that can be discounted. And also, like, he's had playoff rebounds since the bubble it's just everyone goes back to the bubble for whatever reason when I really want to like not to just give him too many excuses but I'm going to throw a huge one in here Canada had like Ontario had the biggest shutdowns in the world and so this is a guy who could not practice in any gym not in his house gym he did not touch a basketball for four months There was no training at all and I don't think people recognize that where a lot of like the Americans who are Raptors could just go back to America and it was fine. But the players who are not American citizens could not just go back to America. They had to stay in Ontario where not a lot of touch of basketball, not a lot of train. Like they live in condos. What is he going to do? Dribble in his condo and disturb his right. neighbors downstairs. Like there was no training. You can't work out in your condo gym either. Raptors practice facility had to be closed. They did not open it for anyone. So for four months, he did not train with any member of the Raptors staff, did not touch a basketball. And he's also coming off of a major groin injury. So yeah, he had a bad, he had a bad bubble. Like that was sort of bound to happen. I think if you put any player in under those circumstances, the same thing would probably happen to them. Probably. 
I'm yeah. going to probably, I'm not, I don't, I have no uh, rebuttal to that, honestly. <laughs> Num- stats are the stats and numbers are the numbers, but if a guy didn't practice for four months, I mean, what do you really expect? And coming off of a major injury as could not yeah. train with anybody to, to rehab properly with that because the lockdowns were as strict as they were in Ontario. Insane. Insane. Yeah. Come on. My favorite player on the team is OG Ananobi. I okay, actually yeah. think OG is one of my favorite players in the whole league and he has been for a little That'd while. And I get into fights all the time that OG and Anobi is like up here skill level and ability wise and being the best, one of the two best defenders in the whole league. And RJ Barrett's like down here. And I get into a lot of fights with a lot of angry Nick fans because they don't watch OG and Anobi. They don't understand how good he is. And that part of his problem with driving and all, they see the one and once in a while, like B-ball index numbers, like look at his turnover rate, man. Look at him driving. Like he is the main spacer on his team. If he's the one driving the ball, he doesn't get the space to drive. I don't know how hard that is to really figure out, yeah. but can I give you a runway to explain yeah. how good OG and Anobi is to Knicks fans and where he would rank both? If he was just put on the Knicks, same roster, both yeah. offensively and defensively, where would he be in the Knicks rotation? That's a good question. Okay, so here, here's the thing. I, I love OG and Anobi too. I, um, he'd be the best defender on the team. Straight up. I would say that about any Sorry, Quentin Grimes. Sorry, Mitchell Robinson. I sorry, Quentin Grimes. Sorry, Mitchell Robinson. I would say that about any team. He's also like, if you're going to be on basketball index, look at their defensive versatility metrics um, because you're going to find OG uh, on, on uh, pretty high on, on very many of them. He is one of the most defensive defensively versatile players in basketball you talk about pascal playing the five well who's the guy who had to guard a lot of those fives a lot of that is ogn and obi i mean one of my favorite games was him going up against nikola Jokic. this is about a season and a half ago i want to say at this point um he's a guy who can go up against centers like that um and, and you know just absolutely guard anybody the best player on any team whether it's a wing guy whether it's he's your best point of attack defender he's your best perimeter defender this dude will cover Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry in back-to-back games I'm just and, like and th- he, that insane I think that was I think that was actually I think that was I think it was Denver it was the Western Conference road yeah. trip and I think it was Denver and then Golden State right after Golden State first and Denver and like that's what he is he's your best point of attack defender perimeter defender and rim protector all in one he's also the team's best three-point shooter he has a, you look at any corner three-point metric he's going to be at the top there with Mikhail Bridges and Reggie Bullock like it's just going to be one of the three there at the top um he is the team's best three-point shooter and unfortunately for the Raptors, again, we're talking about maximizing these guys' skill sets. Because he is one of the only three-point shooters on the team, he's been relegated to really sort of standing around in the corners as opposed to having the ball and trying to see things. That's why – trying to see what he does. That's why you're hearing reports so often about him wanting a bigger role is because he doesn't want to just stand in the corner to let Pascal or whoever else go and do things because he believes he can do it. But unfortunately, again, you put the ball in his hands. He's working in absolutely no spacing and it's going to be a turnover. He's a little strong. I will say his handle could use a little bit more work. Um, he, you know, so he is turnover prone that way. And he's, he is strong. I, I think that like he gets inside, he gets down the middle and it's quite often called a charge because he's bigger than whoever is going up against yeah. him. <laughs> um, So, so there's a little bit of that where he has to understand a little bit more of control, but I think he's improved as a post player. We also saw him improve as a mid range guy towards the second half of, of last season. And I'd love to see Pat OG with the ball in his hands and trying to do more. I think that that would be something the Raptors really need to take, uh, I think they need to prioritize a little bit more because I think it's time for OG. He's just turned 26. So this is sort of the time to watch it happen. Um, Where he would slot, I think he would be the best defender. I think the Knicks have better um, self-creators than OG Ananobi. Um, He's. I would argue Jalen Brunson's the best out of both teams, honestly. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. I have to see a point card. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so, yeah, Dennis so, Schroeder. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would like bring Franz and then <laughs> bring yeah. in your other shooters around with yeah. you, please. Um, so, yeah, so I would think that like he, he would be pretty high up on the list, to be honest. But because I have not seen that self-creation out of him, I don't know how much I can sort of rank him above, you know, a Julius Randle or anything like that. I wouldn't do that. Right. Um, uh, I would have him above RJ Barrett. Yes. Uh, I watched a lot of FIBA, you know, Canadian guy. Shout out to Mississauga. But um, no, I think OG Ananobi's a better player than him. I think they both sort of run into the same things where they're bigger than any guy that they go up against. And so sometimes um, that that whistle needs to... I, I think RJ's better, though, at, at just sort of bullying guys down low and getting the call as opposed to being the person who gets it called on them, which is something OG needs to uh, improve at. Um, RJ's I think part of RJ's benefit though is that he's had that runway bigger. his whole career. His That's whole I mean, he's also he is shorter and stronger. So I mean, it's yeah, built more like better that size. way. Yeah. OG's what six eight and like two ten. RJ's what six yeah. six and two twenty. Like there's a there's a size difference there that you have an right. advantage over. Right. So I I think I I, I would put him higher than anyone defensively but I think offensively he's a few rungs down some people just as of right now because we have not seen it but I don't know that that's a skill set issue with OG Ananobi um it might just be uh, an opportunity issue with him and as soon as he gets that we're talking about him in a completely different light I actually had the next question written and I didn't even even in my head if I didn't have it written I was like gonna yeah. ask this anyway um so you're a Raptors fan you've been watching them for I don't know how old you are but I'm gonna say 20 25 years 30 years your whole life uh, how much longer do you want to watch the Raptors trot out Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi in the same lineup on the same team? Funny because I've been talking about how badly built this team is, but at the same time, I think I think there's been okay. So the Raptors won 41 games last year, and the sky is falling to the fan base. I'm not going to separate myself from that. The sky was falling to me too. 41 wins disastrous as a Raptor. You're used to getting 48 to 50 every year. I mean, that is bad. Above 50, almost every single season, the the Raptors were the winningest team since Masai Ujiri has taken over. The winningest team in the Eastern Conference. I think only the Warriors have won more than them um, since since Masai Ujiri has taken over. That's right. You guys had a bunch of one and two seasons, just lost LeBron. I forgot just, all about just that. Just lose to LeBron every single season. Um, but you know, fifty-six wins, fifty-nine yeah. wins, fifty-eight wins, just time and time again. And so, and even last season without Kyle Lowry, they were a forty-eight win team, and they were a forty-eight win team when you're talking about Pascal Siakam missing a big chunk of the early part of the season because of a growing injury. Um, Scotty Barnes are working a rookie into the fold and into the fray. You don't have a center, and still they were a forty-eight win team. I think they were top three defense from January first onwards. They just looked like a good team, and there was reason to believe that they could be built up. But then you, what you don't see, so I think like forty-one wins were just like you won forty-eight the year before, and you were on the up and up. What happened? And what happened was there was regression shooting-wise from everybody across the board, namely Fred VanVleet because he is your best shooter. I think he took about 10 threes a game uh, in that 2021 season and shot 40%. (laughs) He is your best shooter, and he did a great job of that when he was an all-star that season. And then last year, it was like 35% or 34%. It was disgusting. (laughs) And the team just looked really bad. But also Gary shot went down, Precious Achua's. Uh, efficiency went down Scotty Barnes's efficiency went down uh, Pascal Siakam's across the board every single person and so this team with those three at the helm it's only been two seasons one I think was pretty good and the second was bad and I think it was the floor and the floor was 41 wins except this season I think the floor just dropped 
um, because you don't have Fred VanVleet. For as much as Raptor right. fans don't like him, I think the floor just dropped because you need, even if Fred's efficiency went down last season and it did substantially, um, teams have to guard him out there. Like You have to trust. The Raptors won a championship on the backs of Fred VanVleet having a son and going absolutely yeah. lights out against the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Like you have to, um, you have to guard him out there, which is a lesson Milwaukee did not learn, but thank you for the championship. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that like, the floor has just dropped for the Raptors. But again, like, I think there's like so much angst from the fan base. All this to say, like, there's so much angst from this fan base about what this sort of three guys look like. And I think it can work because I think you can have, if you're building around Pascal, just a ton of shooting around him. If you're building around Scotty, just a ton of shooting around him. OG, I don't have to mention him because he is shooting. Right. <laughs> you don't, he's not an issue. You can sort of slot him He is him the space the rest of your team needs. Exactly. Like if more guys could just do what he was doing, we'd all be fine. Um, and I think you can build a team with Pascal and Scotty and just a ton of shooting around them. The only problem is they have not done that. Right. Um, there is no shooting around them. So I, I think it can work. I think you can find ways that it can work. I'm not totally against it but again and i said this earlier every question comes down to or the answer to every question comes down to what step does scotty take because if scotty does not take that leap and it's still more of a project then i'm done watching this this trio together i think you trade pascal and you double down on the scotty timeline or you trade scotty and you double down your pascal timeline um but the answer to that question is what does scotty look like going into this season because you know what you're going to get from pascal and you know what you're going to get from og you just don't know what that third part looks like if you were to put a percentage on it this time next year, what percentage is that all three of them are there? And what percentage is it that you think two of them are there? I think it's much higher that two of them are there. I think that, and I think this is probably going to surprise a lot of people, but I would say that OG is probably the piece that gets traded. That's not surprising to our fan base. We've been pining for OG since he went to CAA. <laughs> and hey that's fair OG's a really good basketball player the the reason why I say it, I think it surprised a lot of Raptor fans because OG is much closer he's he's the guy who fits in both of their timelines right, right. so like whether you're keeping Pascal or you're keeping Scotty you keep OG because he's a great player you're not going to find an improvement on him defensively and also like as like he's not just a three and D guy I keep talking about the threes in the defense but he does so much more than just that and that's very rare in the he's league he's one of the best cutters in the league He's a when great he cutter. A yeah. He's like, he does so much more than just that. So to find someone who is an elite three and D guy who can also post up, who can, who's also a good cutter, who can do more of the things and wants the ball in his hands and has sort of worked um, at creating for himself as well. I hate the idea of trading OG Ananobi. I just think it, we get to a point where OG Ananobi becomes too expensive uh, to keep. And I, I think that that's sort of the decision that has to be made. I would have to imagine that, they try to re-sign Pascal, regardless of what happens this year. Maybe trade OG at some point if things don't work out. If if we're talking about this Raptors team and it's closer to the trade deadline and things are all bad, which I, I don't have very much optimism around this team, to be completely honest, I think OG becomes your trade bait. And I think you re-sign Pascal. And then if you have to flip him next season, you flip him next season. But you're going to try to maximize your return for a guy like Pascal Siakam. And the best way to do that is to sign him on long term and then trade him after that as opposed to trading him when he has like two months left on his deal. Right. That makes sense. If you were to, so I want to say you're, I want to say your starting lineup and your bench currently. And then I'm going to also mention just for everyone listening, all of the players between six, seven and six, nine, because for anyone that doesn't really know, it is a little comical. Yeah. Um, so the projected starting lineup, the I wrote, I had Gary Trent, not uh, Schroeder. So that's fine. Yeah. Scotty Barnes, who has a star, Gary Trent, OG Nobi, also fits. Pascal Siakam, also fits. 
Yaka Pirtle doesn't fit. Uh, so that's three out of five. And then your bench, who I know you guys have a couple like the 14, 15 slots and then a couple other guys fighting for the last spots. But so Dennis Schroeder, Brady Dick, who you just drafted, also fits. Otto yep. Porter also fits. Christian Coloco, Precious Achuo also fits. Jalen McDaniel also fits. Chris Boucher also fits. So yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Daddy is young. Also eight. fits. I didn't put Thad because I've thought of him in the 14th, 15th spot fair, out of fair. all the people. Like Thad, like Malachi Flynn. It's like those are the guys that yeah, are like. I was thinking like Malachi Flynn, uh, Marquise Noel. Those are probably your end of the bench guys. If Marquise Noel was five inches taller, he would solve all of your point guard problems. Oh my gosh, yeah. If Although he wouldn't then wouldn't have gone in the second round. So, or did he get drafted? Or did you guys undrafted him or second undrafted. round? Was he? He would have been a first round pick if he was six foot one. Hey. However, he ends up on the team, right? I mean, yeah. Nate Robinson and Isaiah Thomas both made do with that being is true. very short. That is true. So I wanted to ask you, um, to go into that with Grady Dick, what was the funniest thing about drafting Grady Dick you saw online, whether it was his name, his draft day outfit, or anything relating to his family? <laughs> so here's the thing because like as i said the raptors winning his team very few seasons below 50 wins <laughs> like very few seasons below i think there was one season below 49 wins maybe um your over under now is 36 and a half with action on the under by the way it is yeah. pretty insane well, to see the here's, downfall here's where yeah, i know um and like so 41 wins was disastrous for this fan yeah. base it was like what you win as many as you lose what who does that <laughs> um <laughs> very foreign, which is very funny because before Masai Ujiri came, 41 wins, we'd be popping champagne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, so I think that like uh the the vibes were terrible. And then Grady Dick gets drafted, and I don't know if it was the red suit. I don't know if it was he can shoot, which is not a Masai calling card of the type of player that he can draft. Um it's like very <laughs> different than what you would expect Masai Ujiri to draft, but the vibes changed immediately. Um and the the funniest means honestly the fact that he was at Carabana was really funny. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Carabana, but it's like you know a, a Caribbean festival um, <laughs> that happens in um, in Toronto. And you've got a bunch of people in like these gorgeous um, island costume like uh, like these these outfits that are like beautiful and gorgeous and everyone's dancing and soca music's playing and um it's just like this you know toronto has a really big west indian population and so you're seeing all of that and just watching grady dick just kind of stroll through it was all <laughs> really really funny all the photos from that also being six foot eight he's sticking out he's sticking out <laughs> he's sticking out yeah there's like also probably um you know for one of the first times in his life a visible minority in a crowd as well yeah. uh, so there's lots of reasons why he's sticking <laughs> out but it was it was great to watch him uh just sort of be there and embrace the culture of toronto um it was fun it was fun those those were my favorite uh videos and, and clips of him and then what is your if you are do you gamble or no i don't probably for uh, the best <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah i was like I, I i did this gambling hit last season and i'm like hit the over on the raptors they've they've not hit the under in 10 seasons in 10 seasons outside of tampa which we toss away that doesn't exist that never happened um with tampa they practice in a ballroom yeah they, everyone was living in it out of an airbnb kids who had um parents Players who had families didn't know what to do with their kids and where to enroll them. It was a, a disastrous mess of a season. Um, so like toss that one away. I'm like, they've hit the over every single year. There is no reason to believe they'll hit the under. I don't know of a time where they've hit the under and they hit the under pretty hard on that one. Uh, so that wasn't great. Um, so that was my foray into gambling and yeah, that's it. Well, here, storyline wise, uh, 
the sky is falling. You actually end up below 36 and a half wins this year. How does that happen? That, that I'm assuming at least one or two of the three guys get traded. Yeah, I think, I think um, Pascal at the very least gets traded. I don't think you have a Pascal run team that's that bad. Uh, I think we saw, again, the floor of when he's the leader of your team. Uh, 36 wins just feel very bad, uh, especially because the East is in flux. I don't think the, the East is as strong as it has been. I think there are a lot of question marks around the league. Um, so I think Pascal gets traded and injuries might also come into play, but at very least Pascal gets traded, if not both Pascal and OG and Anobi. But also if the Raptors get down to that point, I think they go down much below 36. I don't, cause they, they lose their pick right this season anyway. And so like things have Thank to go. Thank God you really... got Yaka Pearl though, you know? Hey, and like if they if they had kept Fred, if they had you know tried to do these things, I would <laughs> I was on board with trading for for Jakob Pertl. Um, but if they don't plan on building around Pascal, then then you go down and it's fine. You just say, okay, we lost a pick for a year. Let's go back. We have all of our future picks moving forward. But um, if you can keep um uh, Pascal Siakam and you get that bad, uh, I think it has to do with injuries, which they happen. Right. And they sometimes bank those in, they sometimes don't. So, and honestly, your team, like you said, they've led the league in minutes so many times, like a lot of the players, Pascal did, obviously, Fred Van Vliet has before. Um, they're just like really high up there. Now one of them's gone, obviously. And, but Pascal almost never gets hurt. So I don't know if they would really, they're probably banking he's on had some pretty. He's had some pretty bad groin injuries that it sidelined him. Um, I, I would think, I would That's think. That's what, twice trade. in the last four years though? It's like every other year. It seems like he missed he missed time last season. He missed time the season before because of the surgery. Um and then Tampa I disregard. So that happened. Okay. <laughs> that was two seasons ago. <laughs> so for me, it's like three of the last three years, but there was a full year in there that I've just ignored. Um but yeah, so um but the last two seasons he's missed some time and groin came up last season and so gotcha. the season before. But um I personally, and OG has missed a lot of time. OG injuries um, follow him. And that's As a kind fan of his, I do know. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the biggest knock on OG and an OB. Um, But uh, yeah, I, well, sorry, what was, I'm just thinking about injuries right now. No, it's okay. I don't want to, I was just saying, how would they get to under 36 and a half? But it sounds like it's either injuries or they trade Pascal. I think, which... it's, I think a trade is way more likely. I think right. that is what Vegas is betting, banking on right now. I think a trade is way more likely. I just, I said this before, Masai Ujiri very rarely believes in trading midseason. Uh, he he looks at, he he says, um, every te- 29 teams are losers at the end of the year. And so 29 teams, 29 teams recognize that they need to make an upgrade. And so that's when you, if you're going to be a seller, that's when you try to make those seller moves. The times that he has made midseason trades, it's to improve the team. Like you're trading Yonis Alanchunas for Marcus Soul. The one time that he made one to tear the team down, um, outside of course, like Knicks fans uh, know what happened with like Carmelo, but the one time like to, to well, that was that in the off season? That was, Arianni, right? That was it that, was off season. Yeah, but no, um, I was saying like uh, when he was in Denver, the Mellow deal, was that? Oh, that was mid-season. That was mid-season, right? I was going to say like the yeah, one yeah. time was like when he had- He could have been a free Mello. agent if we just waited the five months. That's what I thought. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he might have um, gone to the Nets. That, that was the thing. He might was, have gone that to was, the That was yeah. that was yeah, and that's that's what Masai does. He try, tries to create leverage out of nothing and his whole idea, his whole belief. He was, was good at that though. up until recently it seems like. He was. He was like I, and I here's the thing. I, 
I maybe I'm defending him a little too much because I said like losing Fred VanVleet for nothing, garbage, ter- terrible, bad. Um, that's when we can start to like wave our fists at him. I think Kyle Lowry is a little bit overblown. Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor in franchise history. Kyle Lowry is what changed this team. If we're talking about Masai coming in and being the winningest team, it's because Kyle Lowry was the point guard. It's because this team recognized you need a Nova guard. You guys recognize that now too. Um, Something about those Nova guards. (laughs) But um, Kyle was the sort of linchpin of this team and you do him a favor. He did not want to get traded mid-season and uproot his family uh, in the middle of a pandemic mid-season. His kids enrolled in school and all of that. And he wanted to go to Miami. And so it's like, all right, well, Let's just do that because the offers are not blowing us out of the park. And Masai is a really big pressure to chew a guy. So to me, that was just a favor to a guy. And I'm fine right. with that. But Fred Van Vliet is when it's like, Masai, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like Outside, like, how did we allow this? To, how did this happen? And granted, again, no one could have predicted it. But that's the sort of one instance where I would uh, really say that Masai blew it in terms of overvaluing his talent and not creating leverage. Outside of that, I, I think that's a little bit of an overblown narrative because I don't know if we don't want to trade OG on an OB for scraps. And if they lose OG, then that narrative can continue. But if they don't, then what are we doing? If you were, say you were Masai, I know, I know Masai's been looking for like three first round picks for OG. And in essence, I think said it, he got offered it last year. A couple of them were protected. He just said no from Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if you were Masai Ujiri, what would you expect to get for OG and an OB? Um, now that he's on his contract year too. So it's not like a year ago. Yeah, I think it, I think it, I think yeah, the the equation definitely changes. I think so much, and I, I keep coming back to, it, and it it sucks because it's not great podcast fodder for the off season, but that answer also comes down to what does Scotty Barnes look like? Right. Because if Scotty Barnes has taken that next leap, why are you trading OG Ananobi? Like he's the You're perfect for the player. Playoffs, then. You're you're competing for the playoffs, and you have you need to have a good team that you're building around Scotty Barnes. Why are you giving up on OG Ananobi, even if? this season isn't going to be your year you're building towards something and OG's young enough so so much of this comes down to what does Scotty Barnes look like and in my opinion and this is going to be a very rare one from Raptor fans if Scotty Barnes doesn't take that leap I think we're talking about trading Scotty Barnes for something if you can try to get something and build around Pascal and OG Ananobi again why are you trading OG so my whole thing is like that's why, why do this why do this build around Pascal Siakam you have someone now and OG is a perfect fit around him. So um, that would be, that would be my thing. I think, I think I'm in the minority, but I just think Pascal Siakam is a really good player. And OG is a really good player. And if Scotty's not panning out to be that star level player. All right. I have a uh, one question for you based on that. And I want to do our game real quick before we go. Cause Vin has to leave around four o'clock, I believe. Yeah. So real quick, based on that, if Scotty Barnes was to get traded, what position is he playing on his next team? Well, see, Portland needs. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, what position? They do don't need a point guard. Team? They have they have Scoot Henderson. So yeah, no, I'm saying Portland needs a big. Um, <laughs> um, I think I think it's probably a, a big playmaking wing, like a, a small forward, power forward, like just a big wing. I think a power forward would probably be it. Um, yeah, I would I would probably slot him in as a power forward. What his shooting splits and his very young body is probably bound to build into anyway. So maybe he'll uh, actually play what he's supposed to play. I really, I personally don't think Sky Barnes is going to be a point guard at any point in his career, like a real over the top, like top 10 point guard. Maybe he could be serviceable, but that's just me. Yeah. And here, I, like, I'm always of the belief of like, and, and maybe the Raptors have kind of shaken my belief on this a little bit because they clearly believed it very strongly and it did not pan out. Um, that like, 
positions are li- like I, I'm like he's a big wing who can create and for himself and for others you can put the ball in his hands but it does not need to he doesn't need to be your point guard he he's can not play your alongside a point guard. exactly he doesn't need to be your primary ball handler he can be your secondary ball handler um like you can have sort of as long as the guy next to him is a good pull-up shooter and he is a good catch and shoot guy then I think that that's fine that's fair all right so are you ready for the game let's go All right, so I sent you, if you were to make a 10-man rotation out of both Mm -hmm. the Knicks and the Raptors rosters, like it's the all-star game. Um, First, what would your starting lineup be? So we'll just start with that. Who would be the first five coming off the Knicks-Raptors conglomerate roster? Oh, God, Knicks fans. Um, I'm sorry. We've talked a lot about uh, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam. And now you're going to see my bias shine through. Maybe, oh, maybe I make a trade. Okay, so I'll tell you what I initially had. Okay. What I initially had is those three, and then Mitchell Robinson and Jalen Brunson. Okay. But I think, I think, I think I'm fine with just being like, all right, Scotty, if he does not take that leap, then like, and where we're standing right now, I'll start Julius Randle and I'll bring Scotty off the bench, because I think those other five, I think that works. But I'm fine with either or. Because I think Pascal can cover three. Randle can't obviously, but Pascal can cover three, so you could do. Yeah, Pascal's Pascal's your three. Brunson, OG, Siakam, Randle, yes. Mitch, yeah. and your okay. Randle would be your four, and, and Pascal gets slotted down to a three. Because cha- for the Raptors, you changing it to that was my five, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had it as Scotty because you know I'm a Raptor fan. That's fair. <laughs> and my brain is like all three of them, all three of them. Of course, why would I separate them? And now as we're talking, I'm like, oh, did I just ignore Julius Randle? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, no, Julius Julius Randle gets a nod. He's he's the four, and, and Siakam goes to your three. So then, who are the first five? Who are the five off the bench? We're not gonna make you do all fifteen players, but who's the next five? <laughs> yeah, who are your third stringers? Um, yeah. So the, ne- <laughs> the next so five. I got is- Malachi Flynn. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Emmanuel Quickly, who I absolutely love um and i had it hold on let me pull up my phone it's okay uh while you are looking so uh, i'll it. okay go ahead oh, oh i was just gonna say emmanuel quickly as my point guard uh gary Trent jr so sorry quentin grimes i had him how close I was that by the way because i have grimes over trent obviously. it was it was close it was close i went back and forth and i was like do i just need more shooting especially now that i'm thinking i'm bringing scotty and I know Quentin Grimes is an excellent shooter. I know he's an elite shooter, but I'm like, do I just need like what Gary Trent can bring? <laughs> do I just need like, oh, he went off for 40 points tonight um, off the bench. And I really, in my brain, I'm trying to make Gary Trent Jr. be a six man type. So this is my way of sort of forcing it in. But right. Quentin Grimes, by the numbers, was a better shooter than Gary last year. I'm pretty and sure. And better I'm defender. Oh yeah, he's a better defender than Gary Trent Jr. Um, which I'm fine. I, I'm fine with, with Quentin Grimes being in there. I'm totally fine with that actually like i have zero qualms about it one way or another uh and then um of course my nova guys i have to go with josh hart there and then scotty barnes and then yaka portal um the same again once you yeah. took out grimes for trent that was basically i was i was gonna say no matter what any top 10 i do out of this i like i did with um with five on the floor for the boston Celtics before and even though yeah. josh hart isn't like he might be near the like the bottom of the eighth through tenth best player when you do this, but like you can think about taking him off. You need a glue guy like that so oh, I much. Had him, it's like impossible. I think I had him in my closing lineup. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes that is the next thing. So for the closing lineup, now that we know you have Josh Hart, which is probably taking out Julius Randle if I was to guess. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, Julius Randle. Uh, oh I my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Heat fans. I mean, so I'm Tibbs is not your coach, apparently. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair. Oh no, it's 2023. I'm so sorry, Tibbs. Um, 
my my closing lineup was was basically Josh Hart in for Julius Randle, but your starting lineup. That's fair. So oh, actually, Brunson, no. OG, I Pascal. Have, I did have, I'm also fine with depending because I'm a big proponent of your closing lineup should depend on the game that's being played. Um, and I have loved Scotty at the five to close games. So I'm also fine with if it's needed and he's been having a good game, I'm fine with Scotty closing at the five there as well. And so you have a, just a really small team of Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart and uh, who who else o- is there? OG Pascal OG, and then Pascal and then Scotty at the five. So uh, I had almost the same exact thing as you right there. It's just like I actually didn't have pass. I didn't have a uh, Scotty. I have okay, yeah. Julius Randle playing uh, the four, and then I have Pascal moving up to the five. And then because OG and Pascal are so interchangeable, guarding three, four, or five, have Randle follow the worst of the three offensive players, but still fair. be an offensive threat. And then yeah, we're good to go. Fair, yeah. And that yeah. team wins 56 just, just... games and loses to Giannis anyway. <laughs> hey, the Raptors are 3-0 against Giannis. No, they're 2-0 against Giannis. Kyle's 3-0 against Giannis. I, I can fight that. So That is, oh, I mean, that's true. He helped you win a championship. He didn't help you. Pascal he, he has not lost. Pascal Siakam has not lost to Giannis in the playoffs uh, outside of even the championship year. He's, he's not lost. They've gone up against each other before. And for any Nick fan that wanted to think or know why Pascal's better than Julius Randle, Julius Randle, I think, is like one and eight against Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ooh. So that alone makes a major difference when you go up against oh. the best player in the league, second best player in the league. Ooh. Aman, you've been amazing. Thank you so very much for coming on. Uh, feel free to plug whatever you want to plug, please. Uh, check out Pros and Claws. Also, um, I have this episode that we've been sitting on for Dishes and Dimes that we're hopefully ready to launch pretty soon. Uh, so check that out with the relaunch. And then I do host a Yahoo Sports Canada podcast uh, weekly. So check that out as well. You've been awesome. Um, I, I, If I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet the Raptors over 36 and a half wins personally. Thank you. You're, My heart well, I mean, cannot take it. I think even when they're bad, they're going to hit 40. So I think you'll be good to go. Either. Oh, God. I'm sorry, you're going for like the ninth seed. Let's Damian go. <laughs> yeah, good luck with Giannis <laughs> Let, Let's go, Knicks. Peace.